The Gucci Girl. Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, president at Lola Red, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, a story by Larissa Fall. Um, really enjoyed this. It's about millennials and their misperception as self-entitled uh value experiences over materialism. So uh, this is an article about Mindshare's latest report on millennials, which I thought was interesting and, and very actually appropriate for today's interview as well. According to the Mindshare report, Millennials want to do to do business with brands that are inclusive and friendly. They believe in working hard and being smart about how they go about things and value and strong relationships. And they think about success differently. Their success is more about happiness and meaning as opposed to tangible materialism like Gen X and boomers. Um, their influencers are parenting and digitized lives, delayed adulthood, increased education, and, of course, the Great Recession. So when they look for brands, they're looking for those brands that they feel like have similar values. And according to Mindshare, three in four millennials say they accept others' flaws and they fight for others' rights, even if theirs aren't being threatened. And 60% of millennials feel that they are best represented by things they do for other people, and they expect the same for their brands. Uh, they also want brands that are fun. They say life's too short to be uptight. And two and three like smart and witty humor, and um, they believe being smart is one of their greatest assets. A couple of brands that do exceptionally well are probably not surprises to you, Apple, Tom's Shoes, and Chipotle. Well, my purse profile today is the Prada Professional. This is a woman who's committed to her career, trying to achieve some balance in her life. Uh, after expending a lot of energy on the job, she is about 36 years old. So this is someone who's just over the edge of that millennial group. She's in the early Gen Xer. She's um, graduated from college and married, employed full-time, and 60% of them are parents, earning over 150000 a year. Uh, these are women who... Um, value relationships above anything else. They're confident in their style. They're very practical purchasers. Uh, they shop around for expensive items. They are workaholics, although they try to find that balance, as I mentioned before, wanting to spend more time with their family, although they do love the arts and travel and other cultures. Home is very much a part of who they are, and as a result, you know, they will spend on their home. At retail, they're purchasing things at Pottery Barn and Crate and Barrel, Target and Neiman Marcus. They're driving BMW, Jeep, and Audi. And um, if you're a marketer, you can intersect with our product professional on reading magazines like Real Simple, In Style, Shape, Cooking Light, on Cable, E, Food Network, TLC, and TBS as well. Well, my guest today um, 
knows a lot about millennials, but has done specific work around baby boomers. Uh, Chris Farrell is the author of Unretirement, How Baby Boomers Are Changing the Way We Think About Work, Community, and Life. And uh, Chris himself is an interesting guy. He's the senior economics contributor at Marketplace, American Public Radio's nationally syndicated public radio business and personal finance program. He's an economics commentator for Minnesota Public Radio. He writes the sundry columns on economics and public policy. And what I find very interesting about him is after graduating from Stanford University, he spent four years as a merchant seaman working in the engine room to pay for his graduate degree, which he got from the London School of Economics. So Chris has been around the block, and his insights are really compelling on how baby boomers are turning retirement upside down. Uh, you're going to hear his thoughts on that, as well as learn how you can meet him at the Miami Book Fair. So stick around. More from Purse Strings when we return. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. My guest today is Chris Farrell. He's the author of Unretirement, How Baby Boomers Are Changing the Way We Think About Work, Community, and the Good Life. Now, you may know Chris. He's currently the Senior Economics Contributor at Marketplace, which is American Public uh, Media's nationally syndicated public radio business and personal finance programs, and uh, economics commentator for Minnesota Public Radio, one of my favorites, and he contributes columns on a regular basis 
basis around economics and public policy for a slew of publications like Bloomberg Business Week, and you may have caught, caught him at Yahoo and Kiplinger's and Frontline, a myriad of places you can uh, read Chris's work. Chris, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. First, let me say that I'm really happy to finally meet you, albeit over the radio um, and by way of Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> but you're right down the street from me here in Minnesota. I'm I'm based here in Minneapolis. You're right there in St. Paul, right? St. Paul, and yes, and we're both freezing. I know we're both it's in a deep really freeze cold. right now. <laughs> It is very cold, and I'm so jealous you get to go down to Miami for the Miami Book Fair, which is the whole reason that I have the opportunity to speak with you today. I should mention to listeners, if you have the opportunity to see Chris at the Miami Book uh, Fair, you can see him on November 22nd at noon. He'll be speaking at that time. And uh, congratulations on that book, which, of course, you'll be featuring at the Miami Book Fair, Unretirement, How Baby Boomers Are Changing the way we think about work, community, and the good life. And I know that much has been predicted and written about our large baby boomer population, the youngest of whom just turned 50 this year. What do you feel was missing from the conversation that prompted you to join the chorus with this book? Well, the thing about it, if you mention the baby boomers and the aging of the baby boomers, you know, it's gloom and doom. It's a little bit like if you take the um, you know fear and loathing about the aging of the baby boom generation, and um, it's going to take our economy down. You know these boomers, they haven't saved enough, and that's you know we have to worry about that. But even worse, you know, we, uh, as you have an aging workforce, they're they're going to drag the economy down, and you're going to have too many young people going to be supporting too many of these elders, and then it's going to make Social Security more expensive to pay for, and so it's just this this story. This dire demographics of aging. And to a certain extent, that's where the book started, where I said, wait a second, hold on, you know, time out. And if we take a look at it, there's a fundamental shift in the way the aging boomers are thinking about retirement. They're rethinking this last third of life. And Work is a big part of it, and the longer that people are able to work, the longer they're able to pay taxes and contribute to society. Uh, you know, the wealthier we are as an economy, the wealthier as a society, the higher living standards are going to be. And so, I think we're we're in an, uh, an incredibly exciting period where boomers are seizing the opportunity of living longer and being healthier and being more educated to really reimagine what this last third of life is going to be like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bit of a chicken or the egg kind of approach, though. I mean, I think that the term retirement began to take on some new meaning in large part, I think, with the downturn of the economy. You know, people had to kind of reframe their expectations of retirement. Right. And then, of course, there was the boomers, which they've, they've always said they're not getting old, right? I mean, boomers refuse to age. And so I think part of it is a little bit of this new definition of retirement is a little bit less about now, whether someone's financially fit enough to retire, because if you're like me, uh, I have to face it, I'm probably never going to be financially fit enough to retire. But it sounds like maybe it's more about defining a new lifestyle that reframes retirement. Talk a little bit about the lifestyle expectation. 
So, you know, if you, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, a lot of people have not saved. And it's not because they haven't saved that much money because they were going to the mall or they just weren't, weren't sensitive with their money. I mean, it's expensive to educate your kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were spending their money on many things they value. And they can, they can save more at this period of time. So part is, yes, uh, the money is good. The income is good. What you can uh, earn from part-time income for most people would dwarf whatever they would make in their 401k and or IRA in an incredibly good year. But a big part of it is, you know, you think about uh, your career and your jobs. I mean, you've learned. You have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of skill. What you do is a big part of defines who you are, your self-image. And then we have the sense, okay, you hit 60 years old, and you're going to walk away from this for the rest of your life. Now, for 30 years, you're not going to work. You're going to say mm-hmm. goodbye to those colleagues. That's it. Then it's all leisure. And what, is, what people have found out is, you know, that's financially unaffordable for many people. But the other thing is not particularly desirable. And um, I was in Phoenix, and this one gentleman, I mean, it just has stuck my mind. He said, Chris, here's the thing. It's the most wonderful thing. You retire. You have a cocktail 4.30 in the afternoon, and there's no stress. You don't have to get up in the morning. You're not worried about budgets, you know, nothing like that. But the thing is, then you're doing it at 3 o'clock, and no one cares. You're doing it at 1 o'clock, and no mm-hmm. one cares. And all of a sudden, you realize it's time to go back to work. And so I think people are, they want to stay engaged. They don't want to work the 40-hour work week, let alone the, you know, the 50-hour work week, but they want to stay engaged. They want to contribute. They want to, to, to have meaning. We're always searching for meaning. And work is a big social institution. It's a place where people care that you shop. You know, we celebrate birthdays at the workplace. We cry old forces at the workplace. And you see these surveys, and you've done the surveys that you've seen about saying that people don't want to retire or fewer people want to retire. But the other thing, if you look at these other surveys, what do people miss? People retired. What do they miss about work? Income is actually pretty far down the list. Number one on the list are the colleagues, the friendships, the people that they knew on the job. And so I think there's, a, there's just a lot of reasons why people are, wanna, are gonna wanna continue to work part-time, flexible work, contract work, temp work, but stay engaged with the workforce. Mm-hmm. So what will be the most visible dramatic changes of this unretirement? Will we be seeing older colleagues on the job? You're going to see a lot older colleagues on the job. You're going to be going into new businesses, entrepreneurial businesses. 23% of all new businesses last year were created by the 55 to 64-year age group. That's up from about 14, 15% in 1996. Now, there is kind of this image that you know people aren't going to leave their jobs. They're just going to stay in their jobs. And that's not true because, um, you know, many people get burned out or they don't want to keep doing it. You know, they're tired of the boss. They want to say goodbye. So there's still going to be opportunities for you people. People are going to go off and do Some people will stay doing the jobs, but it could be that you are a nurse at a major hospital and you become a nurse at a community clinic. You're a financial planner. You keep a few favorite clients and you teach financial literacy to immigrants. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of job shifting going along, taking your skills, your experience, your knowledge, but going into a different sector of the economy, working fewer hours. But this different sector of the economy is going to be exciting. There's going to be, it's energizing because you're going to meet new people and have new challenges. Mm-hmm. And all of that, as you said, will end up benefiting our economy because we'll have all these people continuing to stay in some way engaged in the workforce, whether it's part-time, full-time, or in different jobs. How much do you predict boomers will add to our nation's economy over the next 20 years? 
Oh, I think over the next 20 years, they are going to add a tremendous amount of wealth. And you have to make some assumptions about, you know, the, you know, the labor force participation rate and how much that's going to increase. I'm pretty optimistic. I think that um, it's just going to add an enormous amount of wealth to our economy. And the reason is that more and more people already, already are doing this. You know, we have for men, if you just look at men, you have a century-long trend of men retiring from the workplace earlier and earlier and earlier, bottomed out in the early 1980s, uh, mid-1980s to the late 1990s. And since then, labor force participation rate of older men has been going up. The story with women is for different reasons, but it's the same trajectory as far as increasing uh, older people staying in the labor force. So again, I don't, you know, I don't have a specific number that this is going to add. But if you look at the women's movement and go back and what the women's movement, the most powerful um, social movement of the post World War II era, what that has added to our economy, you mm-hmm. can kind of say, well, maybe our economy grows by about a third, which is what the women's movement added. So again, over the next 20, 30 years. It's, it's, it is a big number that Social Security, uh, Medicare, health care bills, all these bills will be much easier to pay. Mm-hmm. Well, and with money comes power, as we all know, and boomers will continue to have strong feelings about the way the nation spends their money, especially since they'll continue to be highly contributing members of the economy. Uh, and millennials, who will be in their main earning years over the next two decades, I'm sure will also have very strong feelings. It, clearly, the feelings of how the um, money should be should be parsed out may be different. Do you feel like we're setting ourselves up for a bit of a culture clash as well? And there's a theme that's out there about the intergenerational warfare and the greedy geezers and the silver tsunami and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's said that the old generation and the younger generation are going to be competing for scarce resources. And I think it's a very different story. And part of the story is that it turns out, and there's no big surprise here, that when you have good economic opportunities for older workers, you have economic opportunities for your workers and vice versa. If there's not particularly good economic opportunities for older workers, it's a tough labor market for younger workers. But to some extent, we're all in this work, this job market. We're all in it, right? And it's not mm-hmm. uh, a zero-sum game that if older workers are taking having more, younger workers less. But more importantly, the really the most important aspect of what is happening is this is an experimentation. It's an improv act. We don't quite know. Uh, how this is going to play out, you know, how these, where are these jobs going to be? What are these jobs going to be? What kind of flexible we're going to be? What kind of phase retirement is going to be there? So the real beneficiaries of this experimentation are these 20-year-olds. Because by the time they're in their 50s, their 60s, or 70s, we will have reimagined and rethought what this last third of life is about. The boomers are doing the experimentation. The real beneficiary is the younger generation. Oh, you teed up my next question perfectly. But before we get there, we got to take a break or George is going to kill me. So everybody stick around. More from Chris Farrell in just a moment. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers.
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan. Welcome back. I've been talking today to Chris Farrell. He's the senior economics contributor at Marketplace, which is American Public Media's nationally syndicated public radio business and personal finance program. He's also an economics commentator for Minnesota Public Radio, and you've probably seen his pieces, his regular columns on economics and public policy all over the place, including Bloomberg Business Week. He's here today because he's going to be featured. His book's going to be featured at the Miami Book Fair, and he's going to be speaking on on November 22nd at noon. That book is called Unretirement, How Baby Boomers Are Changing the Way We Think About Work, Community, and the Good Life. And uh, it's going to be changing pretty dramatically because, Chris, you've been talking about how boomers are not going to retire. They're kind of reimagined what that third act of life is all about. They're going to stay employed. It might be different jobs, might be different kind of weight of jobs. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's going to end up driving a lot of money into our economy over the next 20 or so years. And right before the break, um, you were saying the benefactors of this kind of reimagined retirement is going to be millennials. And that kind of led into my question of, 
do you think that millennials will be reimagining their retirement plans as they look at those boomers as examples of how to, to kind of treat retirement at its best? And, uh, and maybe they'll be the ones to take on retirement maybe more so than even Gen X has. Yes, and I think um, – so if, if – you know, you think about the story with the boomers, right? So we went to school, and then you work, and then you retire at 60, and then you don't work. And that was kind of the image. It didn't really work out that way for a lot of people, but that's kind of the image that, that worked with. So now you have this improv act, what, uh, this baby boomer retirement improv act going on, kind of rethinking what, what, how – how does work play into this last third of life and, and, and where are the opportunities and where do we find meaning and how can we contribute? So what the younger, then the younger generation is not only going to learn about what to do, about how to rethink that last third of life, but the real implication is what about their jobs and their careers over a lifetime? And I think one of the uh, exciting aspects of this is that uh, if you're going to be working longer, which is really what we're talking about, uh, it opens up some real possibilities. Yes, some parts of your life you're going to work really hard. Other parts you might decide, you know, I'm going to work part-time. I'm going to do some flexible work. There's some other things that are more important to me. I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start my own company for a while. Now I'm going to go to a nonprofit and I might do something there for a while. And the thing is, I think it's just really going to open up. Um, you know, when I went, when I graduated from college, this is one of the things that I think is great about the millennial generation. When I graduated from college, you either went to the pro- nonprofit sector, you went to the private sector, uh, you went into government, and there was a few people that did this thing called entrepreneurship, whatever that was. Now, you know, when you talk to the generation, you know, they're it's they want to do it all. They want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to do some nonprofit. I'm going to do some for profit. I'm going to start my own business. And so I think this rethinking the last third really feeds back to how do you manage a career over a lifetime. And I think it opens up a lot of opportunities that you can still have the same standard of living over a lifetime, but it's by working longer. You make some of those periods, you're not going to make that much money, but that's okay because you're making that choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it does give millennials enough of a runway so they can see their career over a lifetime. Whereas for Gen Xers, we're already, I'm one, I'm a Gen Xer, we're already well into, you know, still trying to make up for lost time from the economy uh, so that we can potentially retire at 75. But you're right, millennials have that runway, the length of time to benefit from it. The other potential benefit in my book from this, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, is I think um, in this country, this country has gotten quite a bit of a hard knock when it comes to respecting our elders. You know, you look across the globe and there's um, many other countries where elders are held up in the highest regards because of their wisdom and their life experiences. And here in this country, it tends to be the younger people who, um, you know, we kind of look to and shine the spotlight on. But with this vibrancy of life continuing well into our 70s, maybe even to our 80s, do you feel like our perceptions of old age and our respect and maybe a renewed respect for our elders will be an outcome of this as well? I think it will. And one of the things that, you know, is going to ha- that happen over the next two, three decades is breaking down a lot of stereotypes about 
people that get older. Because, you, you know, you think about the stereotypes. If I said to you, creativity and gray hair, most people are going to go, those two things don't go together. Right, because that's uh, you know, you know, they're set in their ways. They're very creative. You know, maybe they show up on time. But we have all these stereotypes about older workers, and uh, and yet uh, there, there there are so many examples of just how creative older workers are. And so I think part of breaking down these stereotypes is just going to get just at the issue you're talking about. We have a very dismissive attitude toward many people as to get older because. They're less useful. They're less productive. They're less creative. They're less innovative. But this is a stereotype. This is a prejudice. It has no basis in science. It has no basis in, in, in reality. It does have a basis that if you tell somebody you're not creative, you give them the opportunity to be creative, they're not going to be creative. But if you say you are creative and we expect you to be creative and here's the opportunity to be creative, they're going to be creative. Mm-hmm. And so there are these companies, for example, who um, they turn to their retirees when they have particular problems to solve, innovative problems. And one of the things that's fascinating is they all talk about how creative these older workers are that come back in to help them solve a problem. But the thing is they're not worried about budgets. They're not worried about turf. They're not worried about where they have to hire somebody or fire somebody. They're just coming in to solve a problem, and they're really creative. And as those stories get around more and more, I think that the value that we hold in elders is going to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel like this um, third life, if you will, this unretirement that you talk about is unique to the U.S., or do you feel like we're starting to take a page out of maybe another country's playbook on that extended, vibrant lifestyle? So I think there's a couple things going on. We're not the only ones dealing with this and having this conversation. If you look at Europe, you look at Japan, you look at China, South Korea, aging Aging is a global phenomenon, the aging of the population. So this conversation that just isn't happening in the U.S., it's happening everywhere. One of the advantages the U.S. has is that we're a multicultural society. We have lots of immigrants here. We have lots of experiences and stories that are going on here within our communities and learning from that. Uh, so I do think that we are starting to learn from each other. From a public policy point of view, you want to see how other nations are dealing with this issue. And one of the things that's really interesting is over the past 10 years, if you look at the major developed nations, almost all of them have had an increase in their 65-plus uh, population continuing to work. Small numbers, but that's the direction. So I do think there's a lot that we can learn from around the world. But the United States has a unique advantage. We are such an immigrant society, and, and so we can learn from different communities within our society, as well as looking overseas to what the other people are doing. But I do think this is a major change in the way we think about the elders. We don't want to segregate them from society. We don't want to push them off into certain communities. We want them integrated into our workforce, into our communities, and into our households. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot to chew on. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. I do want to remind everyone that they can purchase the book on retirement, How Baby Boomers Are Changing the Way We Think About Work, Community, and the Good Life, and encourage you to do that. Thank you so much for being on, Chris. Thanks a lot. And thanks to my producer, George, and join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one.
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.